This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see the corn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and today I'll be your host. Today, we're joined by Stacy Crowley, the owner of Learning Tree Literacy. Stacy's a duly certified speech language pathologist and literacy specialist with 20 years experience teaching communication, literacy, and social emotional learning skills to youth in public and private schools. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy. Thank you so much. And I feel like I should begin by sharing that these days, the focus of my work has been leadership training. Ah. And there's some background information that's probably helpful to know. Um, I started my career as a speech-language pathologist in the Chicago Public Schools. And I was working in Chicago in 2003 when the state legislature passed the Children's Mental Health Act. Mm -hmm. And in 2004, that translated into Illinois being the first state in our country to adopt social-emotional learning standards. So I was privileged to be trained how to teach SEL to children. And I taught kindergartners. And we talked about emotions and the names of emotions, where we felt them in our bodies, what we could do to regulate if we had a strong emotion. And at the time, I was also in therapy, and I had been for years. Mm -hmm. And on a particular day, I had taught anger. I brought that lesson to my therapist, Jim, and said, look at this lesson, please. (laughs) Is this what you and I have been working on for (laughs) a long time, naming anger? It's okay to be angry, but how do we handle it? And he took some time. Yeah, he took some time. He looked at that lesson. He said, this is exactly what you've been working on. And so my aha was, whoa, this would have been super helpful 30 years ago. Yeah. If I was, right? Yeah, for so many of us. For so many of us, yes. So... That was a takeaway. And fast forward from that event to 2012. And my wife and I moved here to Asheville. And it gave me more time and space to study human behavior and communication from multiple lenses, right? Stepping out of the paradigm of public school, I had more time. And I was so interested in what all the sciences were finding, but not Mm -hmm. yet pulling together. So I looked at the through the lens of anthropology and evolutionary biology and attachment theory, nonviolent communication. And I became so interested in this because we had entered the digital age. Ah. Ah. A game changer for human communication. Tens of thousands of years sitting face to face in circles with eye contact suddenly changed. We saw mental health decline. We saw a loss of work-life balance because now we're all on call 24-7, it feels. Yes. Yes. So digital age was the start of this inquiry. And then I became very interested in how we communicate when we are full of stress and fear. And Mm -hmm. the 2016 presidential election in our country gave me 
A great opportunity. <laughs> a perfect opportunity for that to study it. And I was in it too. So I had to really pull out and look at human behavior. And I had two ahas. The first was that we have double standards for what we accept from children versus adults in terms of behavior. Mm. As adults on social media, we were talking to each other in ways that we would never allow children to talk to each other on the playground, right? Um, we don't allow name calling. We don't allow threats. We don't allow all the things that, that adults were doing in sure. this heightened state. And so the first aha was, whoa, if we don't teach kids how to communicate for peaceful conflict resolution, this pattern is going to keep repeating as it has historically. Yes. Absolutely. Now, through a clinical lens, as a speech pathologist, when I looked at that behavior, what was fascinating was that it fit the criteria, the diagnostic criteria for a pragmatic communication disorder. We were lacking the ability to listen with the intent to understand, to take perspective, to have empathy for the other that doesn't believe what we believe. So all of that combined really changed the trajectory of my work with children. I created a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence training for kids using narrative and shared story. And as soon as I started teaching that at workshops and conferences, it mm -hmm. became very clear that the adults hadn't learned that yet. And there's no it's no <laughs> fault of our own. Sure. Right? Um, but it's very very important to recognize that there has been such a resistance to social emotional learning in part because adults aren't feeling prepared to teach it. It's not why they got into teaching. So here's where we are today. I searched, how do I teach adults mindfulness-based emotional intelligence and mm -hmm. found the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And, and I'm a certified teacher for that institute. And we now are able to offer international educator training on this topic. Great. Yes. So thank you for having so, me. <laughs> yeah, we, we are so excited. And I know we had talked about what the focus today was going to be mm -hmm. and that that was really going to be from your perspective on navigating the new normal. Mm -hmm. So a good starting place for us is what is the new normal? What a great question. It's kind of like asking what's the meaning of life. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's unfolding and it'll continue to unfold. I think that it will take years to really assess the fallout from 2020 yes. and not not just the pandemic, but what's been going on with systemic racism and, and so, yes. social justice efforts with political tribal politics, mm -hmm. right, um, with climate change. So there's so much going on. But for education, I think the lens that we can use is how to look at the impact of isolation from the pandemic mm -hmm. on our people and our people, our human resources, our educators, mm -hmm. as well as our customers, you know, our families and our students. Sure. What is the impact? Um, and it, it's probably helpful to start before we even begin to contemplate the impact. Let's talk about what the old normal was, the mental health of human beings before the pandemic. Um, it wasn't great. 35% of freshmen in college reported mental illness. 17% of youth ages 6 to 18, mental illness. 44% mm. of educators leave the field within the first five years because it's such an overwhelming job. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, these, right? These, these statistics are. And the World Health Organization shares that 
mental health illness or mental illness is the leading cause of disability. All right. That's the old normal. So how do those numbers change? I'm so curious. How do those numbers change? I don't have those numbers for you. I know. Sorry. (laughs) They're not. I love data. (laughs) I love data, too. And we're waiting for it. Yeah. So, but what we do know is toxic stress and how it works in the brain. And toxic stress is what mm, I would say the majority of humans on the planet are working with right now. Mm -hmm. We have been in an elevated sympathetic response. Our sympathetic nervous system is in a stress survival response because we have been fearful for our own health and survival on top of financial security, access to medication and services. So this toxic stress is going to change how we arrive in the classroom as educators and for students. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm I'm guessing that you've seen this firsthand. Yeah, I I think, you know, we have been on site all year in our school and we are using a lot of social and emotional Mm -hmm. tools to help our teachers regulate and because our teachers work consistently on nervous system regulation and really are thinking about regulation and dysregulation in the classroom all the time, I would say they've been somewhat buffeted, but does that mean they're not experiencing it? No, we're all swimming in the same stream, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's so hopeful to hear that your how your school has approached. Right? Thank you. And using the words regulated and dysregulated. Yeah. Uh, with that with that lens and that language, we can start to recognize that child behavior, adult behavior, human behavior is secondary to what's going on in the nervous system, right? Absolutely. Um, so I appreciate that you're already looking and, and working with that lens. So as educators, how do we respond to the new normal? Right. That's the question. What are the best practices for this new normal that continues to unfold? Um, It's not a new question. It's Mm -hmm. been a question that has been researched and worked with for years. In 2017, uh, in particular, there was a study that was led by leading scientists and scholars of learning, and they reviewed evidence from multiple branches of science, which is my favorite, right? So it was Mm -hmm. brain science, medicine, economics, psychology, and education. And they asked this question, what best supports students in school? Okay. Now, you may have a hypothesis. I'm, gonna, I'm not giving the answer right now because I want to take us through a thought process on this. Sure. As we consider how do we respond to this ever-changing new normal, the first kind of step is to approach it as an opportunity, mm-hmm. right, With through a lens of optimism and not what we've lost and not trying to get back to where we were. But now that we've had this pause – Mm-hmm. How can we really ask the big question of what needs to happen? And what we're asking, I think, what we need to ask both educators and the system of education is the same kind of exercise that we ask students to put themselves through every day. We want to approach this opportunity with flexibility and creativity and curiosity and an openness, right? Mm-hmm. So through that kind of mindset, the question becomes, what's the end game? Mm -hmm. Why are we educating youth to begin with? Mm -hmm. And I guess I'll pose that to you, Corey. Yeah. So when I sink really deeply inside that question, I think what comes up for me is that the evolution of human consciousness and the awareness and experience of learning is really the best journey to be on. 
And so we bring children along on that journey first because of the joy of it and second maybe the excitement yeah (laughs) at least for me that's what's true what a beautiful answer and why odyssey school is one of a kind i appreciate (laughs) that and then as we um, guide our students through this this journey of learning what is the hope for adulthood for for our kids is that we instill in them that same curiosity to continue learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goal really sets our students up, our youth up, to lead lives that are happy and healthy. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> to be... I mean, I'm a teacher, so I believe that. I believe that when you bring kids into that space, that learning space, and it happens with joy and it's done consistently and they get the opportunity to begin to have leadership in that journey, then most people don't want to walk away from what that brings us. Absolutely. And it's a gift, right? It's a gift that we don't often in different contexts think of as a priority. Yeah. So when I when I talk with educators, when I teach and I ask this question, we can all kind of agree on, yes, we want to make sure that our kids are happy, healthy, lifelong learners who are contributing members of society. We want them to have healthy relationships. And so then the question becomes, what is most essential? I think you've answered that question already. It came up from the beginning for you, this this Mm -hmm. journey and this curiosity and this openness. But I think the pandemic has taught us to ask in a very real way through pause, what is most essential? I would agree. I think it it's definitely has stripped away some things that we tend to be bogged down with as teachers. Mm-hmm. So certainly we have learning objectives. Certainly we have end games that are sort of smaller end games. Mm-hmm. But when the chips are down, <laughs> you know, we have to reconnoiter and shift and redirect focus to what's most valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And and not just in education, but, you know, it, society yes. at, at large. Yes. So, and it's a question that's been needed for a long time because of digital age mm-hmm. and the shift in, you know, for instance, our attention economy. Mm-hmm. We've got this limited attention span and we're completely inundated with information. Um, so how do, how, what is most essential? And let's go back to the beginning of the, the research I was sharing. You know, what they found you can probably guess, is that schools, K-12 schools in the United States who implemented evidence-based emotional intelligence training benefited teachers and students in profound ways because it's a holistic view of learning. Learning is intellectual and emotional. And for many schools, even now, the thought is we need to get back to business. We need to get back to business as usual. And the truth of the matter is we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, (laughs) (laughs) nor do we want to. So I think how we best respond is to take this opportunity to really embrace a paradigm shift about Mm -hmm. what it is to prepare students for the future. Some schools are already there. Mm -hmm. You are leading that. Um, uh, Many schools are not. And so we have all the tools that we need for adopting transformative 
social-emotional learning standards, for bringing mindfulness and well-being into the school and the classroom, using the best science we've ever had. We've got the best science to understand what makes human well-being what makes what are the elements of a strong regulated nervous system Mm -hmm. and we just need to bring it into the classroom right Um, so my question would mm -hmm. be for our teachers out there is where do we start it's a great it's a great question right well the good news is because this is not new information everything we need is available accessible and just needs to be quickly disseminated right there are organizations like the collaboration of academic and social emotional learning mm-hmm. with free resources there's mindful schools that can teach how you how to teach mindfulness but the starting point for all of this is with educator and educator well-being mm-hmm. and an, in a a very intentional way so first things first how do we equip educators, enable educators to show up in their classrooms with a regulated nervous system? And the importance of this, we can understand through the science. Mm-hmm. Human beings are not fully developed in their nervous systems until age 25, right? Mm-hmm. So what we know is that our nervous systems, especially from the time we're born to age 10, attune to the nervous systems of the people that we are with that are adults. Mm -hmm. So that is a profound finding from science, this attunement. And what we know through attachment theory is that the quality of relationships and the quality of the nervous system of the adult will shape the nervous system of children and the implications are lifelong. So powerful. It's so powerful. So we need to take care of our educators. Okay, so let's just do an experiment, okay? Um, And I will warn listeners that this is going to, I'm going to intentionally activate a stress response, and you might want to turn the radio down for 30 seconds if you're with children. I will bring you out of it afterwards. But let's just feel how our nervous systems communicate, okay? So Corey's already closing her eyes. She knows what's coming, I would guess. (laughs) All right, so just listening. No. 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 Yes. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and now taking a deep breath in and putting one hand on your heart, the other on your belly. You can switch hand positions if you'd like. Taking another deep breath in and then finding, finding a hand position that's most comfortable for you. And let's just reflect on that. Corey, how how was the initial no experience for you? Well, at first I was in my head thinking about it, and then I kind of shifted into just feeling my body kind Mm -hmm. of tighten Mm -hmm. and feel closed and just kind of move away. Mm -hmm. So some deep part of the self is like, Mm -hmm. I'm moving away from that energy that's coming toward me right and then when you said yes 
I started smiling because I was like, oh, that sounds so lovely. (laughs) (laughs) You did, and you even opened your eyes. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's like felt like a flower opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, what's the lesson here? You know, the, the first, the first, just the sound of an adult voice, the way we speak, the sure. words that we choose are so important in how we are wiring young brains. And if adult, if adults, if educators and parents are stressed, yeah, which we all are, and we are unable to stay open and grounded and we use that language. What is it doing for students and children? It's closing them. Mm-hmm. It's putting them into a retreat. Mm-hmm. It's not a place where learning can happen. And what happens when we are providing a, a safe space with the yes you opened? Yeah, I think there's an inherent invitation yes. present. I love that. Inherent yeah. invitation. Yeah, it's receptivity. Mm-hmm. It's receptivity. So. That is to say, we start with educators because it's so very important. And we, I think, need to be bold in how we look at supporting educator well-being. You know, I just, if you Google educator well-being, <laughs> you will find many articles that have phenomenal suggestions. Sure. You know, focus on your breathing, set intentions, do feelings check-ins, cultivate compassion, practice gratitude. Those are all wonderful, but those are theoretical when they're on the page. What we need to do is really consider how we make time and space for restorative, resilient practices, right? Yeah, that was the first word that came up for me is my experience as an administrator is that we have to create time for when those things happen and then they happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think that means prioritizing, mm-hmm. to see the importance of it, to pull pull ourselves out of our lesson plans, pull ourselves out of traditional what we need to get done to prepare these students, to look at the larger picture. And it's not lost on me to consider that when we look to workplace, when we look at what employers are wanting and needing Mm -hmm. from their hires, they are skills like communication and collaboration and diversity and inclusion skills, professionalism, teamwork. These are not in the realm of straight up academics, they are people skills, they are emotional intelligence skills, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that part of part of what we're charged with is to use this time and space to pull our head up and say, okay, what does it mean to work in the 21st century? We're educating students right now for careers we don't even know will exist in the Absolutely. future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how do we look bigger and broader about it? How do we bravely shake off what's always been done and, and move forward? And, you know, already... I know that in our state of North Carolina, they have um, suggested summer school to get kids caught up academically. Wow. I hadn't heard that yet. Yeah. And that just puts kids who are already stressed and coming from a very traumatic event back into a school situation that's telling them they're behind. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we start with educators. I'm wondering what we can give listeners as three takeaways. Yeah. um, Thank you for that. Because we've covered a lot yeah, of we've terrain. Kept, we've <laughs> yeah, I think the first is that we have an educational imperative to incorporate mental health through social emotional learning mm-hmm. practices into the paradigm of our responsibility mm-hmm. as educators to create cultures of well being, right? Um, that would be first. Second is to prioritize educator well being 
within that, mm-hmm. right? And in, in practice, not in theory. And, and this can extend to whatever context you work in. If you're a parent listening, then certainly prioritizing your own well-being is your takeaway. And that's my number three, is that we can each work within our circle of choice to make changes that support our own well-being. Um, if you're in a leadership position, I think the very first thing we can all consider is when are we off the clock? Mm-hmm. Whenever I teach, I ask how many people are checking their emails before they go to bed, and everyone raises their hand, right? There's a great story. A friend of mine works in a university, and the chair was brand new, and he had his first meeting. This was pre-pandemic, but his first meeting with his new department, and he said, okay, my number one priority is everyone's well-being, and mine included. Do not email me after five o'clock. <laughs> don't do it. And don't email your part your your colleagues. If you have to, you can create that email, but do not send it until eight o'clock the next morning. And what a shift that would be for our ability to step back and take time to connect with the people that matter most. To yeah. yeah I to, love that. To, yeah, I loved it too. And so that would be my takeaway is really how can we draw some healthy boundaries around when we check in with our own emails. So listeners were asking you to figure out a way to turn your phones off at 5 p.m. and enjoy your families. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast, Stacy. It's been wonderful. I agree. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud.